Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we work to keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact and life skills to be developed. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host, positive discipline trainer, space holder, coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. Also mama to a 20-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son, walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. You are in for a treat. This episode is part of a 10-part series where I'm reading from my book, Joyful Courage, Calming the Drama and Taking Control of Your Parenting Journey that was published in 2019. I'm sharing the book with you and reflecting on where it holds up and how the work has been expanded in the four plus years after writing it. If you're finding this series in the middle, I encourage you to start at the first episode, Joyful Courage Book Club, the intro, so that you can follow along from start to finish. The series is meant to be a resource to you and I work hard with everything I put out in the world to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Along with this series is a free companion guide designed to prompt you in reflecting on what you're hearing and taking steps to integrate it into your life. You can find the guide and buy your own copy of the book by going to www.besproutable.com slash jcbook. And please don't forget, sharing really is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around, snap a screenshot and post it on your socials or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families around the globe. Enjoy. Okay. Hi. Welcome back to the final episode of this limited series, The Joyful Courage Book Club. We are on chapter nine, you all. We started off this book. I started off with part one which is titled All Aboard. You found yourself on the emotional freight train. We went through part two, which was all about getting off the emotional freight train. And now we're wrapping up part three, which is staying off the emotional freight train. I'm so excited for chapter nine because it is full of tips and ideas for continuing the journey of joyful courage, meaning sustainability, right? Sustainability, man. I mean, we all, myself included, we get excited about new things that we're learning. We read things and listen to things and watch things and we get all jazzed and we're ready to change our life. And then life keeps happening, right? And the hard stuff keeps showing up. And like I've said in this series and in the podcast so many times, we move towards what's familiar, especially when we're not paying attention. We are always going to move to towards what's familiar. What is it that we know? You know, where have we been before? Even if it's not, you know, the most helpful way to respond, it is what is familiar. And so this chapter is all about tools and practices that you can put into place for walking that game trail. Remember we talked about the game trail for creating a new pathway, for elevating our response when things get sticky and slippery, which they do a lot. 
during adolescence. Like they're always sticky and slippery. I just literally just got off a of FaceTime with my son and was in the sticky and slippery <laughs> as I tried to have a conversation with him about his plans tomorrow night that I want to control. And it's not useful. He's almost 18. It's important for him to make his own decisions, right? Gosh, darn it. All right. So let's get into it. Chapter nine, chapter nine, continuing the journey of joyful courage. All right. So maybe, maybe it's a stretch for you to consider that shifting your body is enough to get off the crazy train. Remember, that's what the last couple chapters have been about, really paying attention to the physical experience that we're having when we're having it, right? Especially when we're triggered, dysregulated, flipping out. Let's just remember what fight or flight or freeze or fawn, which is basically our response when we're on the emotional freight train, what is that survival instinct good for? It's good for when someone's immediate safety is threatened. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've got, safety. If your child is running out on the busy road, yes, please kick it into gear and save them. Or if your child's mental health is spiraling out of control, yes, please don't negotiate that. Like do what you need to do to get them help right? Lean into that firmness. Doesn't mean that you become belligerent, but I think something that gets in the way for a lot of parents who want to parent with positive discipline and positive parenting and gentle parenting is it feels like we can't be firm because we'll ruin relationship. And I'm here to say that we have got to save our children's lives right? And this, for me, I remember the biggest test of this was when we were going to take Rowan, my daughter, to an inpatient treatment center for what we thought was an eating disorder. And she fought. She was pissed. She did not want to go. She brought out everything she had to try to convince me that it was the wrong choice. And all I did, I was like a broken record, you guys. I just said, this is bigger than our family we've got to get you help. This is bigger than our family. We've got to get you help. And I stood my ground energetically, physically. I was committed to this is how it's going to be. This is what's going to happen. And I feel like that energy that I brought was helped her finally come to a place of resignation. And then there were no beds, but that's a whole nother story. Anyway, we moved through it. We lived through it and she's a healthy human being now. Anyway, that's a little side story. So sometimes, yeah, we've got to lean more into the firm and really be rock solid in taking a stand for our kids when they're not, for whatever reason, taking a stand for themselves. So yeah, if there's a wild animal coming after your family, please let that crazy train energy take over and do what you need to do to fight off the beast. But here's the deal. Most of the time, the challenges that show up in parenting are not emergencies. They feel like emergencies, but they're not. We just respond to them as if they were. You might be thinking, but wait a minute, Casey, aren't some fights with our children worth having? I'm here to say that nothing can be accomplished when we are in fight or flight mode. 
Does that mean that we don't have heated discussions and disagreements? No, we would never get through our parenting journey without lively and sometimes tense conversations. But holding boundaries or standing up for your values are not the same thing as fighting. Do you understand that? Yes. And sometimes we start off strong, right? And we're having those tough conversations and maybe that conversation does get heated and tense, but we can stay regulated, carry on. But as soon as we cross over into dysregulated and fearful and hysterical and feeling out of control or our child, our teenager is there, it is time to put a pin in it put a pin in it because remember the brain in the palm of the hand, we are in the limbic system and we don't have access to the tools that we need to have productive, useful, solution-focused conversations. So put a pin in it, people. When asked about the challenges that trigger her emotional freight train, my friend Trisha, community member Trisha, shared that it is often tied up with events where my kids are not listening to me or not completing the tasks that need to be completed at a given time for a given activity, when my kids are excessively whiny, young kids and old, or sometimes even excessively exuberant, when the kids make or have made a mess. Again, when we feel threatened or out of control, our ancient survival skills show up as the emotional freight train, and we respond to our children and their behavior as if they were the bear trying to kill us, right? Like we flip, we flip when we're feeling threatened or we've crossed over into that experience of feeling out of control, we flip. Most of what our children's behavior is can be boiled down to two things. One, lacking skills to handle their situation and two, misinterpretation of connection, significance, or influence over their life. Now, when I read this a little while ago in preparation for this podcast, I was like, oh, I think I might add a few things to this. But now that I'm reading it again, no, even our older kids, right? They get into mischief. And a lot of times it's because they're missing the skills they need for handling a situation, right? Sometimes that looks like trying to save face in front of their friends, how to say no in a way that, you know, continues to allow them to be a part of the group. Or we're very quick to say, oh, you know, just go talk to your boss. Just go talk to your teacher. Just go talk to your coach. Thinking that our kids know what to say and how to approach that uncomfortable situation without, you know, practicing it with them. So again, lacking skills to handle their situation. They look so big right? I'm thinking about my 17-year-old who looks like he's freaking 25. I mean, I forget that there are big gaps that he is continuously, even now, learning to bridge through experience and practice and conversation and listening and using all my skills to help him bridge the gaps that he has with interpersonal relationships, with managing his you know, time and schoolwork and all those things lacking skills to handle their situation. And then number two, again, misinterpretation of connection, significance, or influence. This is big. Misinterpretation of connection. So last week, the interview was with Erica Whitfield and we talked about siblings, right? And how if you have one of the kids in your family or more, depending on your family, 
who are unkind to the other siblings or just kind of the quote problem child, chances are that is a kid who does not feel like they fit in the family. And that is a very painful place to be. And like I said in my newsletter last week, you know, our kids care. They do. They might act like they don't care because that's a great way to protect themselves, but they want to feel connected to their family. It does matter to them. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. In their consciousness somewhere, it does matter to them. And I'll tell you what, when they don't feel like they fit, when they feel like they're the problem, I mean, in their mind, it's probably you're the problem, but there isn't that connection to the family. There is a disconnection there that fuels mischief and misbehavior. Okay. So again, it's their interpretation or their misinterpretation of connection or significance, right? And significance to me is personal responsibility. Like 
having responsibility, having purpose, right? Nobody cares about me. So why should I care about myself? Misinterpretation of significance or influence, power, control over their lives, right? And a lot of kids get to be teenagers and things have been so controlled and they've felt like their parents have been so controlling that they're here to say like, "Mm, actually, turns out you can't control me. You don't get to call the shots, right? There's no room for me to have a voice. So I'm going to be the only voice, you know, with the big old middle finger. So when their interpretation of their life is that they have no influence unless they take it, you're going to see some mischief and some misbehavior. So here's a way to think about it. Maybe I already said this. I don't know. But I know I've said this on the podcast or at least in some of my workshops. I feel like I said it recently. When your kiddo was first learning to walk, right? First learning to practice the skills, the muscles, the physical experience of being vertical, (laughs) of being up on their feet. Did you find yourself getting all frustrated that they weren't masters of balance right away? When they took a few steps and then fell down, did you roll your eyes and consider that they might be playing you? Don't you play me, kid, right? You're manipulating the situation. When they got better at walking, but still would sometimes choose to crawl, did you think they were just being defiant or lazy or looking for attention? No, I know you didn't. That would be ridiculous. Our children, our teens, our adolescents are developing skills over time through the experiences that they are having. They're making lots of mistakes and so are we. And sometimes when their mistakes leave us feeling embarrassed or fearful or angry, we respond to those mistakes as a threat, right? And this book I think you've caught on. We're on chapter nine. This book isn't even about our kids. It's about us. It's about you. And I'm going to add, you are also continuing to develop new skills as well. And you're going to make lots of mistakes. So let's talk about how to set you up for success. So the first thing is to support yourself and rally the troops. If you want to make lasting change in your life, do the following. Declare it out loud, practice, and revisit what it is that you've declared, right? So declaring it, meaning you're ready to go. You're ready to embrace joyful courage, positive discipline, this new way of being, more expanded way of being, intentional way of being, and show up as best you can for yourself and for others. Great. Yay. Put it down on paper say it out loud, find a partner or a friend who will listen and really spell it out for them. Fill them in on what it is you want to create. Take it from your head and your heart and put it out into the universe, right? It's amazing what happens when we declare out loud what it is that we want. Personally, I am partial to post-it notes. I have them all around my world. They say things like, Listen deeply, connect through the eyes, and time is abundant. Actually, these were old ones from when I wrote the book, but right now I have a little note on my desk that says, you inspire me. One that says, be fearlessly authentic. What else do I have? Less about doing, more about being. How can I relate to this differently? I actually have a lot of Post-it notes going on right now, you guys. 
They're little reminders of the way that I want to live and the beliefs that I want to embody. The other three humans, well, now two, in my home, they see these notes. And while they may not be conscious of it, they're receiving the messages too, right? So they're out in the world for all to see. So you declare it and then you practice. The other tool I love besides Post-it Notes is the Reminder app on my phone. I think I've already mentioned this. When I'm working on a deep practice of love or trust or surrender or lightness, I set reminders throughout the day so that I'm prompted to take a moment or many moments to drop into my body and invite in what I want most. All right. Right now I have reminders about like I'm doing some work on my physical body and how I'm fueling myself and how I'm moving my body. And so my reminders are really about that right now. You've heard me talk about what's familiar throughout this book. We will continue to go to what is familiar till the day we die. If what is familiar is annoyed, then that's where we'll go. If what's familiar is resentful, then that's where we'll go. If we want something different, we have to practice something different. We have to teach ourselves and create a new familiar. Practice bringing curiosity alive in your body on a regular basis and it'll teach your body to become more familiar with it. The same is true for gratitude, love, kindness, firmness, lightness. Remind yourself to feel these things throughout the day, right? When I say feel these things, and I'm gonna talk a little bit more about this later, I think. Like if you could give it a color, what color would you give it? Like we'll talk about love, more loving, more playful. What color is that to you? right? And if you could imagine as you breathe in that color, that energy coming into your body and growing, expanding inside of your body, where would you feel it? Where does love and playfulness exist in your body? And there's no right answer here. And you might be like, I don't really get this. And that's okay too. Just imagine that you could bring playfulness to life in your body right? Pulling back your shoulders, feeling your feet, opening up your senses. What does playfulness feel like, right? Just practice, pretend, play with it and see what happens. And then finally, like I said, we got declare it, practice it, revisit it. Every new practice gets old, right? It doesn't matter if we're talking about diet, exercise, doing more reading for fun or shifting how we show up in parenting. The farther away we get from that big declaration, hello, New Year's resolutions, yeah. The more the motivation wears off. We all know this. A simple remedy for this is to make time to revisit what we want most and why we want it regularly. This could be a weekly self-check-in or perhaps daily for a while. Think about it. Why are you making time for this practice? What do you need in order to choose in to joyful courage? Why is this important to you? What is the progress that you're making? These are some prompts you can use. And then reset it. We all jump on the emotional freight train, okay? I do, you do, our neighbors do, everybody does. We all have those things in our lives that flip our lids, right? Some of us, it takes longer than others. Some of us are quick. We're all human beings having a human experience and Our experience is full of other human beings doing the same thing. Life can be a shit show and that's okay. That is what it is. 
When you find yourself out of your practice, when you come up for air and notice that you've been riding the emotional freight train way more than you want to, it's time for a reset. So go back to the start, declare what you want, practice, write those reminders down and keep revisiting. Celebrate. Enough with the perfectionism. I love this. Do you know, well, those of you that are my clients know, every coaching call that I have with my coaching clients, we do a grounding to start. So I give them a few moments to just energetically drop into the call. And then I ask them, what are you celebrating? And sometimes, you know who you are. Some of my clients kind of roll their eyes and they want to say, well, not much. And I challenge them to think about something. Maybe it has to do with their kids. Maybe it doesn't. But I want to start us off from a place of here's what's going well, right? And really stretch them into recognizing where the celebrations are. Even when the shit hits the van and it feels as though the world is on a mission to take you down, find something to celebrate. Your growing awareness about your own response to your children's behavior is a step in the right direction. Yay. Own that. Celebrate that. What am I talking about? Every single moment is an opportunity to learn and grow, to lean in and to try to be our best. We don't always see every moment as an opportunity, but what if we did? What if we did? What if when our toddler or our teenager is throwing yet another fit, kicking and screaming, what if we said to ourselves, awesome, I get to practice patience right now. Thank you, child of mine. Or if when our child, tween, teenager, freezes us out, we say, okay, this is my chance to not take it personally, to practice letting go and to trust. How would that serve us? How would that serve you? I know for me, that last one, big time, letting go, practice trusting and not taking it personally. I mean, I am practicing that on the daily for sure with my kiddos. I know it's a tall order, but even if we could greet some of the challenges in our lives with a celebration, wouldn't that make a difference? I think so. The next tip from this chapter, creating systems. Systems and routines work for us too, right? Again, this chapter, this podcast right now, it's all about sustainability, right? And staying off the train for longer and longer periods of time. Our willingness to set up systems and routines for ourselves will directly impact how deep we go into this work. I mentioned already that I use post-it notes and set reminders on my phone. They work. The point of it is to practice what we want when the risk is low, right? When the challenge is low. Don't wait for the epic kid meltdown to practice the three Bs or you're going to have a hard time accessing it. Remember the three Bs, breath, body, balcony? If the only time we're doing them is in the heat of the moment to calm down, there's a good chance our ego is going to be like, screw that, you're pissed, just yell, right? Make it a habit to practice before you get in the car or in the grocery store checkout line or every day at 2 p.m., right? Create a routine where you're practicing the tools outside of the moments that you actually need them. That is creating that pathway. That's creating a new familiar. And that is going to increase the likelihood that you can access that tool when things are really sticky. Practice going through the process of bringing your attention to your breath, noticing your body, 
and taking the balcony seat. If you're working on a certain way of being, like playful or kind or brave, then when you're in the body part of the practice, so this is what I was saying a little bit ago, imagine the way of being is a light that is at first only a speck. And with every breath, it grows bigger and bigger as a bigger ball of light expanding in your body. Notice what happens when you're full of playful or lightness or love or connection or patience, right? Notice what your body posture moves towards when you are growing that way of being that is kindness or whatever it is that you choose. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. When you move to the balcony seat from this place, then you're seeing not only from a broader, bigger perspective, you're also looking through the lens of kindness or the lens of playfulness. Do you understand? So the process, the 3B process, there's a couple of different ways we can do it. One is simply to, you know, calm us down and bring us back to a place of regulation. The other one, if we really want to rock out the balcony seat, we can use it to invite in the way of being. What is the way of being that would serve this situation? What is the way of being that would serve this tough conversation that I need to have with my partner or with my kiddo, right? Breath, bringing the breath in, body, body, 
breathing into the body in a way that lights up that way of being that you've just identified so that, so that when you're looking from a broader perspective, you're looking at the situation instead of from it, you know, can you feel that difference? Like being in it versus looking at it, we can look at it through a more expanded lens. What does it look like to bring playfulness into this conversation? What would it look like for me to bring in curiosity, right? Or encouragement? Yeah. So when you move to the balcony seat, you're seeing not only from a broader, bigger perspective, you're also looking through the lens of that way of being. You're seeing how that way of being can be helpful. So yeah, creating systems and routines for practicing the work when the train is not in the station is super powerful. Meditation. Hi, meditation. I'm going to talk to you about meditation. And if there's a collective groan out there, I see you. I know. But here's the thing. Meditation is useful, you guys. Stillness is useful. And I was just in our membership group, somebody was talking about, you know, her worry about her child's screen use and how vehemently he said, no, thank you. When she suggested an hour a week, everybody puts their screens away and spends some time together, like away, away, like not holding it, not in your pocket. And I know lots of you that are listening, you get this, like they are attached to their phone, like it's a limb. And as we were having this conversation, I mentioned too, I was like, well, you know, I mean, I notice when I go somewhere and leave my phone in the car, maybe I'm going to an eye doctor appointment or the dentist or something, and I'm in the waiting room and I don't have my phone with me. Like I can feel that little bit of energetic agitation, you know, that like, Ooh, where is it? You know, that feeling that addicts get when they don't have their fix. So it's not just our kiddos, but something that's beautiful about meditation is just like with Breath Body Balcony, we're creating a new pathway where we are giving ourselves a chance to feel still, right? To be in the stillness. I encourage my clients to practice meditation regularly. Meditation strengthens the mindfulness muscles. Meditation supports us in coming back to the present moment time and time again. One time when I started my meditation practice, I did not think I was good at it. And I told a good friend of mine that I had a hard time having an empty mind when I meditated. And her response changed everything for me. She said, Casey, meditation is not about having an empty mind. Meditation is the practice of recognizing when your mind is full and coming back to breath, back to the present moment. It's the practice of releasing the thought, of recognizing I'm in a thought and I can release it. And even whether it's three seconds, 30 seconds, three minutes later for the next thought to show up, it doesn't matter. It's like, you know, doing bicep curls right? Every single time we do a bicep curl, we get a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger in that bicep muscle. So it's the same thing with meditation. And this made such a huge difference for me when she shared. Isn't that exactly what we need most when we're on the emotional freight train? We need to know we're on it. And then once we realize, oh shit, I'm on the train, then we can choose what we're going to do next. It's about practice again and wearing down a new path. Another tool that I love, journaling. Again, I hear the collective groan. I know you're not all journalers. I am a big fan of journaling. Journaling 
is an effective way to check in with your practice, to celebrate your progress, and to ask questions when you feel stuck. Now, some of you might be like, I don't like to write. Fine. Don't use complete sentences. Use bullet points or draw a picture, right? This is yours. Or, you know, something that I did when I was really in it with my daughter post the book is I would go on long walks and I would do voice memos. So I didn't have the patience, although I did some journaling, but I would also just speak into my phone and do some voice memos. The idea here is emptying out, emptying out. So this is a place that needs to be useful to you. Spelling doesn't count, nor does the content really. Sometimes all I do in my journal is a great big brain dump. Or I might use it to vent, or I might simply spend five minutes writing questions. You know what another thing is I do? I write the future, right? We're so good at worst case scenario thinking, right? Especially if our kids are getting into mischief. Sometimes I'll write out like the opposite of worst case scenario. And I'll write about my kids, about my life, about my family in a way that holds the future that I want for myself and for them. The main thing to remember is there are no rules here. What I will say is that using your journal to beat yourself up or blame the world for your problems is not super helpful. When you find yourself getting blamey, go through and fill and find all the places where you can take some personal responsibility for your current situation. Use it to move towards growth and solutions, right? And If you're in a place where you feel really powerless, I just want to acknowledge it's very challenging to shift into personal responsibility. And I would still say like, play with that. Where do you have power? Where do you have influence over your life and your experience? Use it to move towards growth and solutions. Some of the parents I work with and myself meditate and journal in the morning before the family is up. Some do it before bed. Others find time in the middle of the day. The important thing here is that you fold it into your day. So it happens. Try it. Give yourself a couple weeks. See how it makes you feel. Another tip, sleep. Hello. Sleep. For me, getting up in the morning for my quiet time requires that I pay attention to when I'm going to sleep the night before. Sleep matters. Oh my gosh, we have big sleep conversations in my house. We have some situations happening. I'll just say that. If you get less than seven hours, I really want to write eight because for me, it's very much eight. You need to do something about it. Do it. It'll become a mental health issue no matter how much coffee you drink. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. You need endurance for parenting, especially during the teen years. Movement. Movement matters. You don't need to do CrossFit, right? Or yoga every day, but you do need to move your body. This can be a walk around the block, a dance around the kitchen, stretching in the living room. The important thing is that you're moving the body because the body holds energy. And when the energy is like stress and worry, you know, it gets stuck. It gets stuck in our shoulders. It gets stuck in our hips. And when we move... It moves the energy. It moves the energy. A healthy body supports a healthy mind and healthy emotions. And I'll tell you what, I work at my computer all day long. So just a couple of days ago, and I kind of ebb and flow 
with my movement. And I would love to say I get 10,000 steps a day, right? That's, isn't that what we're supposed to, whoever said that? I don't know. I made a goal a few days ago that I was going to start getting at least 5,000 steps a day. And this is after having many days that barely made it to 1,000 steps, I'm embarrassed to say, but it is true. So set a goal, right? Like I did, which meant yesterday to meet the goal, I took a walk after dinner. I like to get all my stuff in the morning. It's much more likely that I do it if I do it in the morning and I'm committed to this goal. So I took some steps last night. I went on a great walk actually with my husband. There is time to move. I promise. Just take stock of what you are already doing and get creative. To live an intentional life, you have to create intentional practice. What I love about this is that it's available to everyone. Everyone can move, right? Everyone can move. You know, making it work for you, for your body, right? We want to move to move the energy. All right. So make it a regular practice to choose the three Bs, breath, body, balcony. Declare what you will do and then practice it, revisit it, reset it, celebrate it. I really want to close today by encouraging you to begin to take care of yourself in a way that is meaningful. Take care of your soul. Meditate, journal, sleep, move your body. This will support you in creating the sustainable shift that you want in your parenting. Now, this is the end of the book and it's the beginning of a new practice, my friends. And I invite you to listen again to this series or read the book, get your own copy and read the book. It's a very quick read. Now that you're at the end, you have a different lens than you had at the beginning, I hope. I hope you have a more expanded, open lens. And I'm so grateful that you've listened. And as I write at the end, the final sentence of this book, you're amazing. And you're exactly the right parent for your child. You're exactly the right parent for your child. And they are the right child for you. They're teaching you every single day, aren't they? Inviting you into new ways of being, inviting you into some of the hardest work you'll ever do. At least that was my experience. That is my experience. So yeah, self-regulation, my friends, paying attention, being present, being intentional, being mindful, noticing, being willing. Emotional freight train is real. And the emotional freight train isn't going to go away, but we can lessen the intensity. We can lengthen the duration between our emotional freight train rides when we get serious about taking care of ourselves and creating a practice that supports us. So that's what I've got for you today. What a fun series we just did. Nine, 10, I think it was 10 shows. So thanks for hanging out with me all summer. This came out during the summer of 2023. So just in case you're listening to it at a different time, thank you and reach out, be in touch. I would love to know how the emotional freight train concept and experience and what I've created for you over the last 10 solo shows, how has it affected your life? What kind of impact has it made on you? What have you started to do differently? Feel free to reach out. You can always email me at Casey at joyfulcourage.com. You can shoot me messages in my social media. I would love to know. 
how this work has impacted your experience of being a parent. All right, that's what I got for you today. I'll see you next week with a brand new solo show having nothing to do with the emotional freight train or the book. So tune in then. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there. Don't forget, get your free companion guide to this series created to expand your learning and your own copy of the book by going to besproutable.com slash jcbook. I'm so appreciating you and I'm here to support you and your journey of parenting tweens and teens. Find me on social media or shoot me an email at casey at joyfulcourage.com to discover how we can work together. Tune back in on Monday for a brand new interview and I'll be back with another solo show next Thursday. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.